Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Wednesday, October 7th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Yep, draft day edition. And the first round is in the books. And the Flyers have selected with the 23rd pick in the 2020 NHL Entry Draft, Tyson Forster from the Barry Colts, number 71 from Alliston, Ontario. The six foot 194-pounder shoots right, plays the center and wing position, and he is now the newest member of the Philadelphia Flyers. We're going to talk to Tyson in just a moment. Had a chance to catch up with him uh, just moments after he was selected uh, by the Philadelphia Flyers in the first round of the NHL entry draft. Also coming up in this episode, though, Scouts Week will continue our final installment with Nick Pryor. Nick uh, scouts the USHL, collegiate ranks, and uh, other areas in the Midwest. He will join us and give his insight on this NHL draft, the life of being a scout, and much more. Uh, That'll come up in the second part of this episode of Flyers Daily. Quick reminder as well, 11.30 Wednesday morning, Brian Smith and I will be back on Flyers Radio 24-7, breaking down uh, the second through fourth round of the NHL draft. We'll bring you live coverage once again, and make sure you keep it locked in as we'll have more draft picks appearing on upcoming episodes of Flyers Daily, and uh, much more as Free Agent Frenzy begins on Friday as well. So a ton to get into over the next couple of days. I didn't even get a chance to really get a say on Matt Niskanen retiring. So I'll say something briefly now. Uh, the, the retiring and sudden retiring of Matt Niskanen, um, first of all, what a great one year he had in Philadelphia and the impact he had on Ivan Provorov and the, the team overall. Just such a good leader, a guy who's been there, done that, won a cup a couple of years ago in Washington. And we wish him the best of luck in uh, his life after hockey. One of the really good guys. I love talking to him. I talked to him so many times here on Flyers Daily. Uh, but Matt Niskanen retiring, it frees up $5.75 million of cap space for the Flyers because he signed that contract before his 35th birthday. And uh, what the Flyers do with that money and now that need uh, of a top defenseman um, is going to be something to be very interesting for Chuck Fletcher. Does he get in on the Alex Petrangelo sweepstakes? Is there a trade possibility maybe with Minnesota and Matt Dumba? Does he look at uh, another free agent opportunity with a guy like uh, Tory Krug? Not really a top-pairing defenseman, but how he fills that hole will be uh, one of the big questions now as we head into this period of the offseason. And uh, also, Flyers been linked to Patrick Laine. Um, we'll see if that comes to fruition. If you're going to obtain or acquire a pair, player like Patrick Laine, you're going to have to give up something significant. You don't get to empty your recycling bin or your garbage bin and uh, get the return of a player like Patrick Laine, 22 years old, a unicorn that uh, has 40 goal plus capability. So you're going to have to give up a lot to get him. Uh, we'll see if any of those things are in the cards for Chuck Fletcher as we go throughout the next couple of days and weeks here leading through the free agency period. One other thing before we get to Tyson uh, would be the fact that at the start of the draft, and through some reporting as well from Elliot Friedman and others, uh, the NHL is now targeting January 1st to start the next regular season. Ideally, Gary Bettman said it would be a full 82-game season, and it would start January 1st. You have to think training camp probably starts two and a half, three weeks before that, maybe December 10th-ish, and that's when uh, preparations will begin uh, for a new season in the NHL. Uh, He also said he would like to see fans in buildings. We know that full buildings right out of the gate is probably not an option. 
but uh, maybe an integrated approach towards fans uh, and percentages as they go through the season, all leading, hopefully sooner rather than later, to packed NHL arenas again, and certainly hope so. That to be the case for next year's Stanley Cup playoffs. But you got to walk before you run. Uh, so that's the latest on the NHL and their plans regarding the next NHL regular season. But let's right now, it is draft. Uh, the NHL draft is upon us. So let's get to our feature interview in this episode. And it comes from the Flyers' first pick in the 2020 NHL draft. Selected 23rd overall. Selected 23rd overall. Here's my conversation with the newest flyer, Tyson Forster. Happy to have you join us right now. The newest member of the Philadelphia Flyers. He was taken with the 23rd overall pick in the 2020 NHL entry draft. Man, what what a crazy, crazy day it must be for you. Tyson, um, wow. Tyson Forster joins us here. How you doing, man? I'm I'm really great after that. What's that feel like, man? You know, to hear your name called in the first round of the NHL entry draft kind of explain what that moment is if you can put it into words uh the chills i mean i i, I heard barry and i i just got the chills um it's unbelievable it's a, a dream come true like i've said a bunch of times um i've been thinking about this my whole life and it, to have it finally here after six months of waiting because it was supposed to be in june after six months of waiting uh it's unbelievable it's almost that much sweeter what did you get any inclination that the Flyers were uh, a, a serious option for to take you here at the 23rd pick? When did you kind of get a sense that things were really serious with this organization? Uh, I had a good chat with them the other day, actually, and I, I thought then uh, it was – I thought maybe I could be a Philadelphia Flyers, and uh, uh, we had a really good chat, and I'm pretty sure they liked me. So I told some of the boys, watch out for number 23. I, I might be going there, so – um, yeah, I think it was really good, and I'm, I'm glad it happened. The draft was supposed to take place in June. Um, now you're sitting here, and, and it's October. The Cup's been handed out after the pandemic and the bubble play and all that. Um, what's it been like having to wait for your, for your draft day experience even longer? Does it make it sweeter, or was it, how difficult was it to kind of going through that whole period of time just waiting for your opportunity and for this day to come? Uh, honestly, I, I try not to think about it uh, when it was a couple uh, months away. But then when it started getting closer, it was always in the back of my mind. I was lying in bed just thinking about it. Um, but uh, I think it, it, was, it makes it that much sweeter. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's really kicked into me yet, but I think it will shortly. Well, what was the difference in your game between the last two seasons? Because, I mean, you had a huge jump, 57-point jump in points year to year. And you led your team in scoring as an underage guy. I mean, much older guys than you on that, that team that you played for last year. And you outscored everybody on your team by 33 points. What was different kind of year to year for you? Uh, I think the confidence. I think the coaches had more confidence in me being my second year. And uh, I think I was just bigger, stronger, and faster, like everyone always says. But I really do feel like I, I put in some work in the summer, and uh, I felt like I was stronger and faster. So I think – uh, and confidence was key. I mean, I got off to a really hot start and then confidence kind of just took over. And even after the prospects game, I, I felt even more confident after that. So I think confidence was a huge part of my game. Talk about the prospects game. Cause you had three points in the game, two goals and assists and guys like Alex Lafreniere are out there on that. I mean, you had some, there, there's a lot of uh, high end talent out there on that ice and you come away with the, the player of the game. Well, that that's gotta be like you said, a, a confidence builder. But what was that like for that game for you? 
it was honestly surreal too i think uh it was it was really cool i mean i had a bunch of people watching me there because it was just in hamilton there so it was it was pretty cool for me to actually do something in that game and i think a lot of scouts took notice of me there and i think i it was awesome for me and like i said my confidence grew a lot after that um you're known for your shot uh when we did the live stream i asked you about this too um uh, when did you realize that you had this special shot? Because in one of the scouting reports I read on you too, it says you're not afraid to take it from anywhere. Um, so, so when did you realize like, you know, I, I can, I can snap it a little bit better than everybody else. Was that like Pee Wee? Uh, yeah, I think it was, it was pretty young. I think I had a good shot when I was, I was growing up, but I, I feel like I was always a playmaker. I didn't really show off my shot that much until Honestly, I don't think till last year when I started getting the opportunity to take one-timers like that and they started to go in. So I felt like I could just shoot it harder and harder than everyone else when they started going in. So I think it was, it was pretty cool that way. Um, one of the, in one of the scouting reports, it said your shot is reminiscent of Alexander Ovechkin's and you'll set up kind of in that same spot. I knew you were a cap fan growing up. Those days are over, by the way. Um, uh, is that a guy you looked up to? And that, that one-timer from, I mean, he scores so many goals in the same spot. And everybody knows it's coming there and nobody can stop it. And there's the goalie's got to just hope it hits them. But is that a guy that you kind of looked at his shot, his release and the way he's weaponized it? Yeah, I think he was, he was my idol growing up. I think uh, I, I just love the game, love the way he, he loves the game and he's always got a smile on his face. And that's always how I try and uh, how I always try and do it. So uh, I think looking up to him, I always wanted to have that shot and hopefully I can, hopefully I can be like that one day, but uh He's probably got a bigger shoes to fill, but it's, it's I, I like him a lot, and hopefully my shot can be as good as his or better one day. Well, he's he's chasing that Gretzky goals record, right? And he yeah. wants to stay in the game for a long time. Yeah. Now, and now he's in the division of the team that, that drafted you. Um, so when you get to the NHL, if you're to step out on that ice and be matched up on a face-off and you're on the wing and he's on the wing and he's standing there, what's that moment going to be like for you? That's surreal, right? I mean, he's not yeah. just another player. He's a veteran. No. Yeah. I the mean, freak show. Yeah, he's he's nuts, but I feel like I'm just going to try and focus on the game even though – You're not going to be able to. <laughs> no, my biggest fan ever, but uh, yeah. Um, my room's covered in Ovechkin, but um, it's – it's. I mean, I'm going to try my hardest not to smile at him or do anything like that. I'll probably just try and stay focused on the game. Um, what do you know about Philadelphia? You know – Growing up, you, the Philadelphia fans, the Philadelphia sports scene is uh, a passionate one, for sure. Um, what do you know about the, the city, about the organization and its history? Honestly, I, I don't know much about them. I, I just remember going there when I was really young, and the fans were, the fans were really crazy. Um, but, yeah, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say I know a lot about them. I know the rivalry, the Pennsylvania rivalry, Pittsburgh and Philly, uh, but that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, the fun thing is here is that every team around – everybody's so close geographically. Like Washington is a train ride. New York's yeah. a train ride. Pittsburgh, it's across the state turnpike ride. So everybody's really close. Travel's not bad in Philadelphia as a pro athlete either, not like it is in the Western Conference. Um, what, what brought you to a game in Philly? Uh, I think my parents just wanted to take us on a hockey trip. Like you said, everything's so close there. So I think I, we went to a Washington game. We went, on, we went on a mini trip there. We went to Pittsburgh. We went to Washington all around there so it was, it was pretty neat oh that's really cool um what what uh what's the reason for the love of the game and why you ended up as a hockey player dad i think 
I think, yeah, my dad and also my brother. My brother was a big part. He's two years older than me, so I'd always go to the rink and watch him play, and I always just wanted to be exactly like him. So I think, yeah, my brother was a big part in that. Yeah, that that's awesome. Um, when you look at the, your kind of evolution, and that'll begin in development towards getting to the NHL, um, you cited in your in your remarks with, I think it was Jamie Hirsch of NHL Network, um, that you worked on your skating uh, after, you know, when the, the seasons got paused, um, would you do to, to work on it? And I think it's really important that players identify, you know, the areas of the game that they need to improve it. And for you to verbalize it, I thought was really awesome. Um, so w- what did you do to kind of address that? Oh, I started skating with my, my skating coach right off the hop. I mean, I didn't take anything for granted, uh, this long, long ass time off. Uh, so I think, I started skating with him. He said I moved my shoulders unnecessarily and I didn't get low enough when I, when I made my stride. So I think we worked on those for like countless hours and uh, I feel like it's improved a lot. And I feel like I can, I can't wait to show it off to everyone and hopefully um, show it off and everyone likes it. <laughs> hopefully it looks good. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was he saying? Like the, the shoulders are kind of taking away some of your energy and, and not yeah, allowing you to have burst? Exactly, exactly. And uh, my, my arms were going straight back, and he said, just side, side a bit more and, and just the little things like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all a science. Um, it, going back uh, to play Barry this year, and, uh, you know, there's still a little bit of an unknown with how everything's going to kind of be handled. Um, what are you looking to accomplish this coming season as you consider your ascension to the NHL? Uh, hopefully we can we can go deep into the playoffs if the season ever actually happens. Um, I feel like we're gonna have a good team. We're pretty young, um, so I feel like we can we can make a run this year and and learn learn how to get some more experience and hopefully come win it. Hopefully we can win it. I mean I think we have the the talent to do it. We just need to hopefully we can work all, as a team and work hard together. Um, for, for you, why why'd you go that route? The OHL? Did you consider any other routes? Uh, it, or maybe another CHL we go in the queue or something like, or just did you were, were you just, uh, you know, not college and you just wanted to go that route? Uh, I feel like I don't think I'm a school guy. So I thought college was off the table. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, yeah. But um, I think, yeah, I think, uh, Barry was really close to home for me. I used to watch Barry Colts games growing up. So I feel like that was a good fit for me. And when they said they had a chance to pick me, I was all for it. Uh, last thing for you, um, what are you going to do with the other 30 hats that they sent you? Because from my understanding that uh, all the all the potential picks were sent a box of hats with all the NHL teams, so they had the one of who picked them to throw on. So do you have 30, 30 hats laying around now? Uh, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, though. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I do. Well, I said it, so you're all right. Yeah. They can't punish me. Well. <laughs> You can, I guess you give them out or something like that, or you send them back or whatever. But, um, dude, uh, congratulations. I know this is a a really big day for you and your family and everything. I'm sure it's overwhelming. I know your phone's blowing up. Uh, We appreciate you joining us, man. We're all going to be watching and uh, uh, can't wait to see that big shot of yours. Appreciate it, man. Best of luck uh, this coming season in Barry, and uh, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Thanks a lot. In doing that interview with Tyson Forrester, uh, we did it on a Zoom video call. And the smile did not leave his face the entire interview. Um, I'm sure it's just one of those things that just knocks you when you hear your name called uh, for the NHL draft in the first round. And um, he put in the work, though. And from some conversations and hearing some remarks from Brent Flair and Chuck Fletcher that 
that work that he did during the pause and going to work with his skating coach is likely a reason why he's a first-round pick and maybe not a second-round pick. Um, he put in the work. I like that. The fact that he identified that was an issue and went to work on it, that tells you a lot about the kid. And those are good traits to have in a draft pick. And we'll, we'll see how he develops and uh, get to see that big shot of his as well. Uh, it's been Scouts Week, and Scouts Week has been great. Joachim Grunberg was our first scout from Sweden, uh, the Flyers' European amateur scout. Joined us on last Friday's episode, on Monday's episode. Flyers scout the, scouts the WHL and some uh, uh, areas out in Western Canada. Mark Gregg joined us. And then on this episode, it's Nick Pryor. Nick Pryor scouts the USHL, the UNTDP, USNTDP. Uh, also the collegiate ranks and more, and based out of Minnesota. And here's that conversation with Nick Pryor. Uh, happy to have you join us here on Flyers Daily Scouts Week and uh, another great scout of the Philadelphia Flyers as we inch closer and closer uh, to the 2020 draft, which should have happened months ago. And Nick Pryor joins us on this episode of Flyers Daily. Nick, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Is there an anxiety that leads up to the draft? You know, it was supposed to happen in June as per normal, but this is 2020, nothing's normal. Uh, is there an anxiety that's now been stretched out a few extra months for you? I think so a little bit. Yeah. Anytime, you know, you, you work uh, as hard as we do at it and, and then you have to wait that much longer for, um, for, you know, it to happen. I think uh, there's some anxiety, but also some excitement. And I think guys are, are finally excited. Uh, it's here and it's, it's coming up and uh, we're ready to go. Uh, you scout some, you know, as an amateur scout, uh, some really important areas, including the USNTDP where you played. Uh, you're a former University of Maine Black Bear as well. Um, but let, let's talk about kind of what you've been seeing or let's go, kind of go through your experience in, in this past year with what's happened. Because obviously being in the U.S. and, you know, you can't get eyes on guys uh, to the, you know, you didn't get a conclusion to a lot of these seasons, the CHL season, collegiate, all that stuff. I uh, didn't get to conclude. So what, what kind of obstacles is that kind of? present to you and and kind of polishing your final opinion on some players where you didn't get to see them maybe in their biggest games that they could have played in this calendar year yeah for sure obviously it's uh it's unfortunate and um you know unfortunate times for everybody so uh we're making the best of it uh you know everybody's in the same situation every team's in the same situation so you know we're no different than than anybody else uh, in that regard but you know those those tournaments at the end of the year are big and uh you know kind of especially the under 18s that were supposed to be in Plymouth, you know, that kind of brings a lot of the top kids from, from all the countries to one tournament. And it's nice to see them, you know, compete against each other and, and be under, uh, you know, the same roof. And, you know, we didn't have that. And uh, we didn't have, uh, you know, USHL playoffs, CHL playoffs, college playoffs. So, um, but we did, you know, still get a good chunk of the season in September through, you know, a couple weeks into March. So he did get quite a bit of, of live viewing. So, you know, we use that as much as we can and then, you know, mix in the video to, to make up for what we didn't get to see. But like I said, we're, we're all in the same boat and, and every team is, you know, kind of facing the same challenges uh, when it comes to when it comes to that. So is there potential for guys because, you know, as you were growing up playing, you know, this and, and looking at guys through all the years that you've been with the Flyers now, you know, in this role for six years. Um, but we know what a summer can be for an 18 year old or a draft eligible kid. I mean, it can be a huge difference what you go into the summer looking like uh, physically and, and then, and also athletically and what you come out of it looking like kids have had an opportunity now 
uh, maybe that couldn't skate for a while to really hit the gym, put on muscle and, and do a lot of those things and be strategic in, in the way they're getting their bodies ready to take that next step, whether it's the USHL, collegiate, whatever it might be. Um, is there any kind of on the backside of that, getting to see some of the progress that some of these kids that you're looking at maybe made? Yeah, un unfortunately for me, it's, uh, you know, we haven't been able to see these kids. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're talking with them and, and, and reaching out to them and touching base and, and seeing what kind of progress uh, or, or talking to them about what kind of progress they've made and, you know, current heights and weights versus, you know, what they were in, in June uh, or May when the, you know, the combine would have been. And, uh, you know, we're taking their word for it on, on what they're at right now. But yeah, you're right on these. These are big summers for these kids. And, I think, you know, play has started in, you know, some, some parts in Quebec and over in Europe. And we've got some high school stuff that started up here, but um, a lot of players, uh, you know, Ontario, Western league uh, college and, and USHL are still waiting to get going here, but you know, you, you have to assume that the players are, are putting in the work and, and putting on the right weight and, and getting in the right shape. But uh, it's always nice to, to see them in person uh, as well to kind of validate that. But, um, we're lucky that, you know, our guys in Quebec have been able to see some players and our guys in, in Europe have been, been able to see some players. So that's definitely beneficial uh, for us. And, um, yeah, we're just making the best of it. And, you know, we're in the same situation, like I said, as everybody else. So. Every prospect, you know, obviously different. Some guys are have a more NHL ready body. Some guys, when they get drafted, I mean, they're not, they don't have hair in their pits yet. I mean, they're not even yeah. shaving. Right. Um, yeah. I want to ask you about Jay O'Brien because when he was drafted, he, he looked like he just got out of the eighth grade, but, and he played high school out there, obviously in Minnesota, people hear high school, they go, high school hockey. Like this isn't in that, Minnesota. It's a little different for everybody. Um, <laughs> But, but where's he at now? Where's his uh, kind of development at and what you're seeing over the past couple of years? Yeah, obviously it's, um, you know, been a, a different path for Jay leaving, leaving Providence and going to Penticton and, and having a real good year in Penticton. And I think for him, you know, getting healthy, number one, and, and getting that confidence back and that swagger back and uh, kind of what makes him the player that he is. And then, you know, he's going to go to BU this year uh, whenever that season gets going. And, um, you know, Jay's a, a hardworking, determined kid and, um, you know, I'm sure he's put in all the work to be the, you know, the best he can be when he steps on the ice at BU. And um, yeah, going back to, to high school hockey, it's, it's certainly, uh, it's huge here in Minnesota. Uh, you know, Boston has prep school hockey. We got high school hockey. It's uh, when it comes to evaluating and scouting it, it, it's a challenge. It's, you know, you're, you're watching kids play college hockey, you're watching kids play junior hockey, and then you're watching kids play high High school hockey so just evaluating kids here in the u.s you're, you're seeing them at many different levels which is challenging but also it's uh what makes a job fun you get to see all sorts of different levels and um yeah i i believe in jay and i think uh you know jay like i said he he didn't probably have the start that he wanted to his college career but uh you know he went to penticton and had a good year and um i believe he's heading the right direction so how important was it him for going into the b he was in the bchl yeah to, to kind of get into a league where you know, he could really kind of flourish offensively to, to build confidence and make that kind of a, a couple of a big old cinder blocks of a, a great foundation to take that next step to go to BU and then play in that great league. Yeah, you're right on. I think for him, it was, you know, he was obviously a very successful uh, high school player and, and dominant high school player at that level. And uh, to, to lose that a little bit when he got to college um, and then to, to find that again for offensive minded players to, to find their game and to kind of get yeah. that 
Wagger back, I think is what makes them and uh, whatever level you're doing that at, as long as you're comfortable and you know, your ability and you, and you feel like yourself and you feel like the player you can be, I think, you know, that's huge for, for those guys, uh, especially. Let's look at the NTDP. What a year last year. And you played for the national team development program for two years. Uh, let's look at that league. First of all, I don't know that what happened can be duplicated. That draft feels like five years ago, by the way. Uh, but what happened in that draft and Flyers take Cam York in that one? Uh, where is the, what's this crop looking like out of the NTDP heading into this, this 2020 entry draft? Um, I think last year, I think it might've put expectations out of whack a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the, any team, whether it's this draft coming up here or next year or the year after to, to be at the same level uh, as a team and as a group of that team is going to be real hard to do. I think it was a unique year and, um, you know, they had a great team, but, you know, they're, they're, they got a good team this year. They, they were a little, little bit different in terms of, you know, they probably didn't have, or they didn't have the, you know, the same cast that they had last year, but they played real, um, you know, detailed, real structured game and, and had some uh, good players. Uh, but last year's team was very unique and that, you know, a lot of high end uh, players at all different positions and, and different types of players at the forward level. Uh, you know, obviously they had Cam and, and Spencer Knight and goal. So uh, lots of good players on that team. I don't think that's the case this year, but they do have some, some good players in their own right. And uh, certainly a team, like you said, that, that we scout a lot and, and see a lot of, and um, there'll be players off, off this year's team that become really good NHL players as well. Uh, let's look at the USHL. Um, you know, the USHL is a league that's a lot of times a feeder system. Uh, what are you seeing in the USHL right now? And what's kind of the trend on the, on the USHL right now? Where's the kind of thought of from, from guys like you and, and scouts that look at the USHL? Um, obviously a really good league. It's, um, you know, a league that uh, sometimes gets – you know, uh, players after they're done with high school hockey, sometimes they get players, you know, to come in before the season, like a trend here in Minnesota is a lot of kids will will play in the USHL before the season. They'll return to Minnesota for their high school season, and then they'll rejoin their USHL team uh, for the end of the year. Um, I don't know that the USHL teams are are thrilled with that. I'm sure they prefer to have them for the whole year. Uh, But, you know, for for Minnesota kids, speaking about them specifically, it's important for them to, to play high school hockey and, and growing up here, I, you know, I understand that. I think it. It's like Friday night lights, for, right? <laughs> exactly. It's like yeah. uh, football in Texas, high school football in Texas. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, maybe, maybe not uh, at that level, but it, that's uh, what it means to, to these kids here. But anyways, going back to the USHL, it's, um, it's a real good league. Um, an older league guys will, you know, play there 19 and 20 and then, you know, join college as, as 20 year old freshmen. Uh, so I think that obviously benefits them if they need another year or two before they, they jump into to college hockey. But I know a real competitive league, um, a league obviously that, that I scout and we scout uh, very heavily. And, and uh, I like the league a lot. I think it's a, it's a great stepping stone to college hockey and um, a lot of good programs with, with good coaches in that league. As a guy that, you know, you played at, at I alluded to it before, played at, the, at Maine. Uh, when you look at collegiate hockey right now, uh, you're seeing more and more guys come out of collegiate programs and, and jump right in. And, you know, we've seen guys, you know, jump right in after the collegiate season, have a lot of success. Uh, where, where's kind of collegiate hockey right now as you're looking at all these great players and there's so many good players all over North America. Uh, what are you seeing in the collegiate ranks? Yeah, I think there's a, a lot more parity. Uh, first of all, there's a, a lot of good programs out there, a lot of good coaches 
um, like you said, there's, there's players kind of coming from everywhere. So, uh, you know, players popping up from Arizona, California, more and more and uh, in non-traditional hockey market. And uh, I think that's helping, uh, you know, college hockey as a whole and, and making more good programs. And I think there's a lot of good programs and, and, you know, these kids are, are playing against 22, 23, 24, you know, sometimes even 25 year old kids in college hockey, which I think prepares them very well for pro hockey, you know, learning to play against, you know, heavier, stronger guys and uh, prepares them that way for, for what it's like in pro hockey. So there's lots of benefits, I think, to a, a kid playing college hockey. Uh, I think, you know, I'm not one versus the other. I think junior hockey is awesome as well. And, and I think there's, you know, kind of pros and cons to both of those, but college hockey, you, you know, you get that experience playing against older guys and, uh, you know, you get the Monday through Thursday as well for, for, you know, 17, 18, 19 year old kid is, is huge for their development to, to train and work out and spend some time with, you know, strength coaches. And uh, so they, they benefit uh, from that for sure. Uh, like you look at, you know, USA hockey or the NTDP, USHL, NCAA, uh, the, the NAHL as well as another great feeder system. And, you know, they all used to be looked at as kind of like, eh, puh, compared to the CHL or, you know, major junior in Canada, whether it's the, you know, the Q or whatever. Uh, have they really kind of pulled the bar up and, and gotten pretty close to even with, with major junior with what they've been putting out over the past bunch of years? I think so. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously major junior hockey is, is very good hockey and uh, the CHL is, does a tremendous job developing players. So I'm not going to, uh, you know, say it's, it's better than the CHL for sure, but I think it's, it's um, you know, on the same wavelength or, or real close. Um, the NTDP has done a, a tremendous job at uh, working with, you know, some of the, the top players, you know, for each birth year. And then, you know, the, the North American, Leagues have done a real job with goalies. First, and they've had a lot of success with goalies uh, and goalies getting drafted out of that league. And, and, you know, obviously players as well have come out of that league and USHL and in high school. There's just so many different levels uh, in the U.S. and so many different options for kids to, to choose to play at if they want to stay in high school or prep school, if they want to, you know, jump to midget hockey or North American League or USHL or the NTDP. It's like I said, that's what kind of makes it fun for me is, you know, you're. We're always seeing different uh, levels of hockey every weekend. Yeah, variety is the spice of life, even with hockey. Who knew? Uh, let me ask you about yeah. scouting goalies. Uh, you know, you see Carter Hart's in the league now, and he came in at, at 21 years old and had success. The league's younger than it's ever been, which is uh, which is really kind of refreshing in a lot of ways. You see so many young players really making the jump. They seem more ready now to not only be a pro, but be an NHL player. And, uh, you know, when you kind of look at that, it's really interesting to me. And scouting goalies, it's always been this mindset of he's got to ripen until he's 25. And sometimes maybe you waste a goalie a couple of his best years and cheaper years, as a matter of fact, uh, by, by over-ripening guys. When you're scouting goalies, what do you look for? Because that, that's a position that is obviously very cerebral. There's a lot of physical elements to it, too. You talked about Spencer Knight. Um, what is it you look for in goalies and, and how you scout that position? I think it's, uh, you know, similar to similar to players in a sense that, uh, you know, you're looking at hockey sense and, and how they think the game and how they read the game. And uh, obviously Carter's uh, tremendous at that and, and very strong uh, in that regard. And, 
you know, things like compete and uh, things like, you know, how do they handle adversity? And uh, so those things are, are similar in, in how we evaluate players. Obviously there's some, some technical things that you, that you look for and, you know, how they move, uh, how they track pucks, uh, that, that type of stuff, which I'm no goalie expert. And, uh, you know, I'm still learning every year as well. Uh, we got, you know, tremendous uh, goalie guys on staff and, and Brady and Kim that, that help us out with that and watch video of the prospects. But, you know, for all of the scouts, I think, you know, we, we got to make sure that they, that they read the game. Well, um, they compete and they don't get rattled easily. They can, they can stay in it when, when things are tough. So those are, you know, some of the things that we like to look at. Certainly those conversations with the maturity of the kid, like Carter is so mature off the ice. He's really mature on the ice as a player, uh, but off the ice, he's so mature, so rigid in his approach Worked with John Stevenson for years, uh, you know, since he was 13. He, he takes his craft very seriously. When you look at all players, how much of an element is that for you to, you know, to kind of go on a limb for him as well, knowing where they are maturity-wise and, and where they attack the game mentally? Big time, yeah. I think it's, you know, anytime you can get an edge like that, and, and Carter certainly does that uh, off the ice from a mental standpoint, and even things like, like nutrition. I know Carter's really dialed into that, and a lot of kids, um, you know, it's such a competitive game. Anytime you can do anything uh, to give yourself an edge, whether it be, you know, the mental side of things, nutrition, uh, off ice training, those types of things. And there's so many good people to, to use out there and uh, that are available to young kids. So, um, you know, anytime kids can do that, it, it certainly sure shows maturity that they, that they want to get better and they want to do those extra little things to improve. Um, and Carter's a, a great example of that. Uh, last thing for you, um, Nick, let, let me ask you about your dad. First of all, how's your dad doing? Uh, he's doing, he's doing really well. Yeah, he's doing well. Good. That's yeah. first and foremost. Second yeah. of all, do you have, do you guys have a rule now? You can't talk shop since you're working for different organizations. <laughs> uh, you know what? He, he's still, um, he's still my dad and, uh, you know, he's, he's taught me a lot of what I know, um, and, and a lot about the job. Um, I will say, you know, one thing I was fortunate, uh, enough to work for him and to work under him and Ron for, uh, the years that I did. And, and obviously fortunate now to work for, for Brent and Chuck and, uh, you know, with, with the great scouts that we have. And my dad's been, you know, tremendous, obviously things uh, went the way they did with the flyers, but, um, he knows the flyers are a good organization and he knows that, you know, uh, Chuck and Brent are, are tremendous guys and, and, you know, they'll, they'll treat me very well and, and do really good things for the organization. So uh, we still have a great relationship, but it is, it is, uh, you know, kind of fun to talk about the, the flyers and the predators now. Uh, let me, do you have any, can you rival your dad's shoe game? He's got great shoes, man. I try, but uh, <laughs> he's, he's an easy. elite, elite level shoe man. It's not easy. It kind of runs in the family. We're all kind of freaks when it comes to, to shoes like that. But <laughs> no, it's, uh, I, I can't, uh, I don't think I'm at that level yet, but maybe one day. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I really appreciate you joining us here on Flyers Daily. I, I know people are going to get really, you know, enjoy everything, getting your insight as you head into this draft. Best of luck coming up next week. It's going to culminate and you'll turn the page and start looking at the 2021 and at your draft. And hopefully we can get you back in rinks looking at players all over North America and, and, you know, into the, into all these great programs and, and checking it out once again. God willing, that happens sooner than later. But thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Anytime. Always love talking to the scouts. Great insight from those guys. And uh, all leading up to this draft, which is not over. Still rounds two through seven 
coming up for the Philadelphia Flyers on this Wednesday afternoon. And remember to tune in to Flyers 24-7, Flyers Radio 24-7. Uh, at 1130, Brian Smith and I will be breaking down uh, the second through, I, I believe, the fourth round. So about two hours of coverage for you coming up on this afternoon. Bill Meltzer will be joining us uh, for parts of that as well. But everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks to Nick Pryor for joining us. Thanks to Tyson Forster for joining us all on this episode of Flyers Daily. We'll talk to you Friday.